Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 167 for the 2nd of October, 2014. I'm coming to you this week from Orlando, Florida. It's, it's kind of pleasant this time of year to have some warmth, but uh, I think I could do without the humidity. Down in the southern part of the planet, I'm officially pronouncing summer has started. So I'm quite pleased with the weather at the moment. It's perfect back in Vancouver, but that's part of life of living at the whims of the conference schedule. Perfect in the context of Pacific Northwest has a slightly different meaning from just about everywhere else in the world, I think. Well, yeah, that, that's possible as well, but uh, I, I really do enjoy coming to conferences. I've, I've had a few chat-chat uh, listeners come up again at this conference saying that they listen to the podcast, so we certainly appreciate those of you out there that are listening, especially appreciate when you let us know, because uh, while we get a lot of downloads, it's hard to know that who's listening out there, and it's fun to meet you all when we're, we're out at events. Yes, and don't forget tips at sophos.com. If you have anything you think we said that was wrong, um, even better if something that you thought we said was great, and if you've got ideas of things you'd love us to talk about. Well, without any further ado, I think the big story without question for the last seven days has been focused on this bash vulnerability for Linux and Unix systems known as Shellshock. I was at Virus Bulletin Conference last week, and this was all breaking while I was there, and it was quite a big topic for everyone to debate and talk about, because, of course, there's no doubt whatsoever that the, the, the vulnerability is serious and that it's not terribly complicated to exploit for people to play with it. Yet, fortunately, I haven't seen any mass worming. Like, we see lots of hits against honeypots and this kind of thing. Many of them appear to be researchers trying to see what systems out there are getting fixed or patched or how many vulnerable systems there might be. But there hasn't seemingly been any kind of large worm or mass exploitation yet, uh, although there's nothing ruling that out, is there? Well, there's quite a laundry list of malware samples, for example, that uh, Sophos products detect that we know are related to people trying to exploit this vulnerability. But of course, that, that malware could be used again with other exploits and some of it, like there's some uh, OS X malware going around that obviously people are trying to deliver via Shellshock that's actually been around for quite some time. And that malware has been a mixture of ELF and MACO binaries for Linux and OS X, and uh, as well as Perl and PHP scripts. Right. So, I mean, the good thing is we're not seeing malware that's using the exploit in an automated fashion to spread itself. We're seeing people exploit the flaw and then plant some sort of script or malware after they've gained access to a shell. Of course, even if whoever's exploiting this vulnerability isn't intending to implant malware, the fact that they can run an arbitrary shell command means that it's actually pretty easy for them to leak data, if you think about it, particularly if what they're doing is reading from a file they're not supposed to have access to in the middle of some CGI scripting, where, where the whole goal is to produce output that actually goes back to the, the person at the other end. So, you know, even without malware being left behind for later, there's still a risk that you could suffer data leakage or that crooks could use this to map out and learn more about the inside of your network. Multiple ways to mitigate risk from this, right? I mean, obviously, look to your vendors for patches for Bash that have been made available, uh, especially if, if Bash is in any way involved in things that may be processing arbitrary input from the internet. But you've also got to look at the apps that are passing these things along. I mean, arguably, there's, there's multiple layers that you can secure um, against these types of attacks, aside from just Bash itself, if, if, you, you know, if you haven't gotten around to it yet. Yes, because one of the problems is that 
this bug is in the way that bash does parsing in other words what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to parse a function definition and if you like compile it and then stop and it doesn't stop at the right place parser kind of plows on forgets that it's in the middle of processing a function and carries on interpreting so it turns what is a sort of what's called a function auto import into a generic shell execution it appears that there are actually a whole load of other parsing errors that have come out in the laundry if you like as people have been digging in to find out how serious this is so shellshock has kind of expanded a little bit even if you have patched bash already uh, that may not be the end of it so keep your eye open there may be more patches coming down the pike in you know the next few days or weeks but if you've got for example in the Sophos products our IPS and web application firewall can look for inbound stuff that seems clearly about to exploit this vulnerability and block it off before it even reaches say your web server even if your web server isn't directly vulnerable or at least can't be exploited it means that the person pounding on the door is actually pounding on an outer door, not on the server itself. Yeah, and we'll keep covering that as the story develops more. I think, like you said, there's like five or six different CVEs that have been fixed in Bash in the last week. Um, there may be updates for other web-based apps you have that could have led to this being exploited that they may have also fixed parsing things that they have to, to reduce the risk even further. So it's always good, uh, good to keep an eye out for, for new updates. Vendors telling things. We, we have Snapchat on the list again this week. There was a lot of accusations about uh, spammers getting access to Snapchat systems and whether there were, you know, people speculating, could there have been a breach or this, that, or the other thing. Now, Snapchat's come out and said, no, like, we don't have spammers. We have people's accounts being compromised. And as a result of them being compromised, you know, spammers are then logging in as you and sending the spam out. I kind of like to see companies that know that this is a problem take some more action, right? Like we've, we've talked about this a couple times recently with WordPress taking the stolen um, Gmail passwords list of, of phished uh, Google users or wherever it, you know the source was and checking it against their database. We've seen Facebook doing this in the past when Adobe leaked a bunch of information. You know, there, there are things that as a service provider you can do to help your users fend off their accounts being hacked. I mean, other than just throwing your hands up in the air and saying use better passwords. Yes, uh, Apple's another case in point, isn't it? You know, the, the recent iCloud furore over the uh, celebrity selfies and Apple were able to convince people, no, it's no failing in our infrastructure. Uh, these passwords have been owned in other ways. The community, including naked security readers, leaned on them a bit to say, come on, guys, why don't you, why don't you add 2FA or two-step verification um, to iCloud? And Apple at least partially did react Maybe Snapchat could do something similar. Go looking for users who have reused passwords that are known to be out there publicly visible and uh, maybe consider offering two-factor authentication and urging people to turn it on. Clearly, there may be some things that Snapchat could do. I guess another one we didn't talk about is what Microsoft and Google and some others did a year or so ago with not allowing users to choose a password that's on the 100 most frequently breached password list choose wisely in the first place and Chester perfect timing because of course it's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month uh, started on the 1st of October and we published a video that I made called how to pick a proper password uh, basically it doesn't just show you how to choose a password that is unlikely to be guessed and some techniques for remembering it 
we also went to the trouble of explaining as simply as we could why this really matters, including reminding people one account, one password. If what Snapchat are saying is correct, it's pretty much all down to people who've used one password on more than one account. I'm glad you brought up National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Every single person, largely, that pays any attention to the news has heard about breaches like Target, Home Depot. Everybody's been impacted or heard about this at a minimum, so there's no more, oh, they won't come after little old me. It's a real obvious way to show how dangerous it can be. And as we spoke about a few chat chats ago, when one of our Hungarian colleagues looked into just how much spam a single average bot-infected computer could send. His test computer sent, well, he actually stopped the mails going out, of course. If you remember, five million mails, one week. Thank you very much. So don't tell me that the crooks aren't interested in your computer on your home DSL or cable line. They are because there's an awful lot in it for them. Absolutely. And I mean, and you know, we've done many a talk uh, at conferences together, Paul, over and over again about the money behind this stuff. And anything that's financially driven with millions of dollars on the line, uh, these guys need lots and lots of resources to execute these crimes. And they're more than happy to commandeer yours, whether it's your mobile phone or your desktop. And so I encourage you to, you know, contact your local uh, ISSA chapter, ISACA, whatever you may have. Usually there's one or two of these groups in almost any metropolitan area uh, in the world and say, hey, I'm interested in um, getting involved in any activities you have around National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And they may have some opportunities for you to, to work with some kids and teach them about privacy and social media or help educate people about choosing smart passwords in your community. And you can make a difference. And I hope this doesn't sound too self-serving. Go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com and look for Mark Stockley's article entitled, Do These Three More? If you remember, last year in Cybersecurity Awareness Month, he did a great, very popular article called Do These Three. Now we've got this year, he's done Do These Three More, things you can go out today and teach people that they can do quickly that will improve their life. Uh, in particular, update it. Make sure that updates are working. We've all got them turned on, but have they actually been working correctly? Go and check. Lock it. Don't leave your phone so it locks 30 minutes after you've left it in the pub. Do it so it locks after a minute. It's less convenient, but you will be a lot safer. And encrypt it. Persuade your friends and family that it will really help, because if their device gets lost or stolen, they will have so much less to worry about. Lastly, uh, I'm doing some research. I managed to finally get my hands on a iPhone 6 uh, so I can start playing with Apple Pay and some of the other new functionality that um, Apple introduced. Chester, be honest. What you really want to do with your iPhone 6 is see if you can scan your dog's fingerprint to unlock it. Well, that, that certainly would be interesting. I was thinking it's large enough that as a Canadian, I might be able to club a seal with it, but uh, now I'll probably get letters. It have to be a pretty jolly small seal. Uh, but my, my experiment is going to be recording everything possible that I do with this device for about 10 days to see what kinds of information is sent um, to whom. Is it sent securely? And even if it is sent securely, what's being sent? Even though something's SSL, you may not be comfortable sharing you know, your birth date with a company that doesn't belong having your birth date, for example, in your opinion. So I, I kind of wanted to try to do a day-in-the-life type thing and, and really keep a careful diary of my experience using the new Apple device. And then I'm going to do uh, an Android device as well when I'm finished with the Apple one 
just to kind of have a little bit of a, a comparison. You realize that's almost a promise, Chester. So uh, no pressure. Yeah, well, you know, the good news is I'll be traveling a little bit less over the next week or so, so it's a really great time to get research in. And as you and I talked about in the lead-up to the podcast, it is a bit of a promise because there's a lot of work involved in trying to capture all those transactions. Uh, in essence, I'll need to use my, my laptop as sort of a, 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 a pretend stand-in bad guy who's intercepting my traffic and analyzing it and seeing what information's available. And both collecting all of that data and analyzing it will be a bit of a task, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the results because I think all of us would like to peel back the covers a little bit and see um, what's happening inside the black box when you turn it on. Sure, and I guess the great, the, the great thing for you is that you can still use the phone and have fun with it. I guess your results, they don't have to be forensically valid. You don't have to present them in court or anything like that. It's really just, do you get any unpleasant surprises, which we'd all like to know about? And perhaps even better, are there things where you kind of expected your phone to tell stories behind your back and were pleasantly surprised to find that it did not? Yeah, so it's, it'll be an interesting experiment. And I do want to do it from the perspective of someone using the device as they would in their real life. And I'll, I'll try to emulate the, the average person as much as possible by using some apps I might not typically use. Uh, and we'll see what happens. It should be pretty interesting. You're going to install Snapchat, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to install Snapchat. I have to. It's all part of the testing. And with that, I'm going to conclude Suffice Security Chat Chat 167. As always, the latest security news is over at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available via RSS or on iTunes or the TuneIn app. And you can also get them over at soundcloud.com slash And until next time, stay secure.